Would you please turn to Ephesians chapter 2? We'll begin there this morning, Ephesians 2, and we're starting a new series, uh, a nice, bright, and colorful series titled Do Good Things. These next several weeks, we'll be talking about this. So while you turn to Ephesians 2, I want to tell you about something that happened to me after church several months ago. I was driving home on Yorkland Road. If you don't know how Keston, Yorkland Road uh, turns into a pretty tight back road and it bottlenecks at a bridge that's barely more than a one-lane bridge. And so I'm heading home that way and it's kind of a drizzly day and I see in front of me, down towards where the bridge is, coming up to me, is a tractor trailer, a big tractor trailer stopped in front of the bridge. Clearly thinking to himself, should I go over this thing? And there are some cars behind him while he's deliberating who eventually get impatient. They sort of go around him and head off on their way. But I end up, I pull off to the side of the road. I get out of my car and I walk over to him. And lo and behold, he's thinking, he says, my little, you know, my little machine with my blue dot tells me I'm supposed to cross this bridge, but I don't know if I should. And I said to him, I have never in my entire life seen a truck this size where you are right now. Just want to let you know that. Like, (laughs) good luck with that, buddy. Uh, But the problem with this, uh, so it was clear don't go over this bridge. You know, I, I encouraged him in that. But if he was, I wanted to film it. <laughs> That's what I was thinking to myself. Are you doing this? Hold on a second. But uh, he was also far enough down the road that on your clint, it's kind of hard to back How do you back up an 18-wheeler tractor trailer? So I, I said, hey, I'll help you out. And I walked behind, do that thing where you feel like you're important and where <laughs> you start to realize they're not actually watching. But, you know, I was holding off traffic and that sort of thing. And he got turned around and went on his merry way. But here's the story. While all of this is happening, there was a woman who was jogging. And so for the first part of our little episode, she was jogging this way. And as the episode resolved itself, about 15 minutes later, she was coming back this way. So she had sort of seen enough of all that had happened. And when she ran by me, she said this to me. She said, like something to the effect of, that was your good deed for the year. Now that struck me as entirely bizarre. My good deed for the year? Like the whole year? (laughs) Because I want to let you know it was like March. (laughs) I mean, I couldn't believe I had scored it that early. And I don't want to be rough on this lady. She was running. I mean, I can't assemble a straight sentence when I'm running. So, like, I'm not critical of her. She just meant a good thing by it. I just want to pick apart the concept of that me backing this truck up was somehow my good deed for the year. But even the time, what if she had even said month or day? What if I had come home from church and like propped my feet up, you know, and said to Andrea, like, what's for dinner? Make it snappy. And she poked her head and I went, did my good deed for the day. 
Even that's insupportable. Like the whole, it just brought the absurdity of the statement, brought into light the absurdity of the concept. That somehow there's some quantifiable good deed that I could do that could now excuse me or check a box off or satisfy a need or enter into the cosmos complete. That concept is absurd. And that's what I want us to look at today is, is when God calls us to do good works, when God calls us to do good deeds, I mean, out of the word, right? Out of the word, just beautiful trees grow of doing good fruit, to sprout off the pages, calling us to do good works. How are we to think about that? How are we to process that? Because we could, if we're not careful, live in absurdity. And Ephesians 2 is a good place to start. It does a really interesting thing with the concept of work. And I'm, this is a great passage in the Bible. This passage is uh, just at the foundation of the faith. And so I, it seems good to come here. We'll start with good doctrine, and then we'll move towards good practice. But let me just read Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And I want you to track along as you hear the gospel described. I also want you to hear the concept of work threaded in it. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verses 8 and 9 describe the notion that faith and not works is the way by which we have hope in Jesus Christ. We rely on the work of Christ rather than presenting our work at the feet of Christ. That's what he's saying. Salvation, in other words, does not come from yourself. You're not the source of it. You're not the origin of it. It comes from God. And it's given to us through faith. And because of that, no one can boast. No matter how great of a deed you happen to have done, even if you happened on one occasion to have backed a truck up, it's absurd before the Lord. Because of what he's done for you. His, his very son shed his blood so that you might live. What could we hope to put beside that? Now this is good news, not bad news. But it's important good news because the fundamental sin of humankind is playing the role of God. So we like to think well about ourselves. We like to be proud of ourselves. We like to advance ourselves, and we certainly enjoy the practice of comparing ourselves primarily to others. And so we hone in this life, if we're not careful, the stern practice of self-evaluation comparison, which is entirely heretical before the feet of God. Before God, we have no measure. We have but to be thankful for the work of Christ. But because of this, works... Works finds itself 
in the midst of all of this. And we see here even in verse 10 that the origin of work is not even from us. So even when we happen to do a good thing, Paul writes, well, you do a good thing because you are his workmanship. He fashioned you to do the thing you just did. See, it's a secondary reason not to boast, right? I can't boast, A, because there's no amount of things that I would do which would justify me before the Holy Father, right? And B, because the very good things that I do, I do as a result of his working in me. He made me to do good things. When your computer spits out the right answer, you don't pat it on the head. It was made to do that. It's just doing what it was. If it didn't do it, you'd throw it away. Christ redeemed us. He didn't throw us away. So we find here there is works at work all through this. And there's a carefulness on understanding sort of where, how to work this out. And it's a very eloquent, it's a very poetic, uh, tightly bound thought here. Right? We're saved by faith and not by work. But we're to understand ourselves as his work created in order to do good work. And this thought surfaces again. He says, prepared to do good works which he's prepared for us that we might walk in them. Do you hear that in them? The plurality of that sound in them? It certainly doesn't sound like the annual backing of the truck. It sounds like I'm waiting in them or like it's a big meadow of good works that I'm walking in, you know? You know when you walk among... Uh, dandelions and all the little things go up, you know, kick them and they, they kick. That's the kind, that's the way we're supposed to walk in good works is where our feet step. Good things happen. They rise. That's, that's how I hear it. We're to walk in them. All the time, everywhere. It sounds to me like the works not just from this passage, but from the Council of Scripture, it sounds to me that the works that God are talking about are regular, continual, normal good works. Not momentary, unique, special good works. Maybe those happen, but I don't think that's how we're defined. If you're going to try to assess yourself here, it's kind of a squirrely moment. Uh, Because at the end of the day, this is the important part of Ephesians 2. If we're going to walk away from Ephesians 2 with anything, we should say the the intent in Ephesians 2 is to say we don't labor for the acceptance of God. Rather, we labor from the acceptance of God. That's the source of it, right? Because of what God's done, good works sprout up naturally. Not, I'm doing good works so that I will achieve the approval of God. We are approved and then we achieve in Christ. And you want to be careful how you think about yourself. You certainly don't want to compare yourself to someone else. So if you want to rightly assess yourself on this or think about yourself, it's not in light of someone else. And it's probably not best to say, like, how did I do today? I would say, kind of look over the seasons of your life and say, am I finding, am I finding that good things are being produced out of my life A, based upon God's approval because of what he's done in me. Or are they the source of insecurities that I'm reaching for? 
Okay, that's the doctrine. That's at least the heart of the doctrine. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles two more times today uh, to 1 Timothy 5. And the passage is on the screen if you'd rather not turn. It's there before us. Uh, But before you read it, uh, this felt like a fun field trip to come to 1 Timothy 5. So I feel like I owe you a reason. It just felt like a nice place to be. But first, Paul wrote 1 Timothy. It's a letter to Timothy. Timothy's a pastor. And Paul's shepherding Timothy as to how to lead the church in Ephesus towards health. And in this particular section of the Bible, Paul is counseling him on how the church is supposed to care for the needy and particularly the widows among them. And he's trying to sort of ensure that the caring arm of the church is not taken advantage of through abuse and usurpation. So, so there are going to be some requirements listed. Um, I mean, that's enough context. What I really, and I'm going to just read two verses, 1 Timothy 5, verses 9 and 10. And my real interest is on the 10th verse. Uh, so here, here's the list of qualifications for bringing a widow beneath the care of the church. Paul writes in verse 9, Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband. Okay, that's verse 9. Now here's my interest. <clears throat> and having a reputation for good works. And then in my Bible, I have a colon, like two dots. In your translation, you might have a dash. This is the translator's effort to tell you that they think that having a reputation for good works is a header for what follows. And so that's how I've arranged it on the screen. I've formatted it to express what the translators, uh, sort of the intent of what they're saying. So verse 10, in having a reputation for good works, like if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. Now again, I arranged it on the screen sort of to match the way I feel, which is having the reputation of good works as the title or the header. Then you have a list, and then the last statement is the principle. So you could say, has a reputation for good works, example, 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 pretty much devoted her life to good works, something like that. And that's what you see here. In other words, in order considering uh, who might be uh, brought in and under the care of the church, the thought is not have they done a good work, but reputation for good works, okay? In other words, do good works describe who this person is? Would that be the best way to describe this person? Anyone can do a good work. The question is, if someone were asked to describe you, would the description that would come out present that you had a reputation for good works? Because, after all, we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works and to walk in them. So there's this this concern about who she is as a person. And then you have these examples. And I just want us to note how normal these examples are. She raised her kids well. 
when people come over, she has the ability to share herself and her space. Now, feet washing is unnatural to us. It was customary back then. It was a way of showing honor. This would be a person, she, she can submit herself to raise other people up. She can, she can convey dignity to people around her. She does not need to be the most important person in the room. And when she sees people who are in need, she has a heart of affection that reaches towards them. That's this, pretty much that she's devoted to every kind of good work. That's what he's saying. Okay, I don't think it's a distinct list. I think it's a principled list. Now, when you look at this list, you might see some things that you think to yourself are remarkable, but I really don't think, I don't think mostly. I think they're mostly normal. And you might see some things that someone might do occasionally, but I think for the most part, these are regular, regularly taking place. And some of these things might be, gain some sort of public notoriety, but for the most part, I think they're pretty humble acts before the Lord. I just want you to see that in the God-examined life, note where he's looking to see if you've done good works. He's not looking at the amazing thing you did that one time, right? The backing up of the truck in 2018, the great backing up of the truck, I somehow don't think has like in some arch in the New Jerusalem, I don't think it's engraved. Okay, I think that it's, it's maybe indescribably insignificant to the way God's concerned with how I would treat you and you would treat me and, and how I handle my kids and how I honor my wife. Somehow I feel like if there is an arch written where something's engraved that has anything to do with me, some of those things are, might be the, what is, I'm hoping get chiseled. You see how regular God's concern is here? She's a good person. And on the things that she sets her hands to do, she does right by them. On the things that are placed in her charge, she cares well for them. On the neighbors that are around her, she, she can be leaned upon and relied upon. That's a person who's devoted to every kind of good work. Now, I want to say this. Because the idea, the theology of good works in the Bible is broad, not narrow. Okay? It's a broad idea. And God's examination is throughout all the scope of the life you're already living. In other words, if you work really hard all week, and you come home, and you work really hard as a parent, and and you're doing all of this, and then you think to yourself, but I'm not really doing anything good. I need to do a good work. I want to tell you, you're missing the point. Everything you're doing all week should be examined as to, is that a good work? Your good works are happening. Or, let me just say this, your works are happening right now. Are they good? And the notion of, well, here's my life, and now I need to step out of my life and do a good thing. That's troubling. That's troubling. And I want to say this because, because of the insert in your bulletin. So let me get really, really practical for a second. In your bulletin, 
is an insert. This, these two weeks of do good things, you know, this, this month is a time, typically October, November, where people give thanks. Uh, they pause and give thanks. We work, our church partners, in the city and in this community with, with several groups, but these are four that are just really special to our heart. We believe in what they're doing, and we connect with them. And what we've done here is we've tried to offer you, like, extend the hand of help to help you connect and do something with them. If you wanted to do a thing with them, if you wanted to partner with them, we don't want you to sit there and go, I just don't know how I would ever connect. Well, here, this is the connection. And I should let you know that it would be great if you wanted to do something like that, but this is not a suggestion to you that you're not doing good work. Like if you're thinking, if, and this is where my, one of my hearts is, if you're like a mother of three and you trip over yourself all day long in the menial, thankless work of raising a child and you're just trying to do your best and you're trying to like sow the words of the Lord into how you're doing it and then you get like hit over the head with, oh, and by the way, why don't you try to do a good thing for a change? I want to I abolish that notion. I want to abolish it. You're doing work right now. Is it good? Is it fueled from the acceptance of God or is it being done for the acceptance of God or others? Think about what you're doing now. What's the nature of it now? And I'll tell you the truth. These organizations, oftentimes they brainstorm ways. We say, hey, our church wants to help. What can we do? And they go, okay. And they brainstorm a project because the truth be told, sometimes it's a little bit of work for them to even invite you down to help because it's transactional. Good organizations are not like really, really hoping for another work day. What they're really hoping for is that somebody who might come down on a work day might be attracted to the deeper aspects of that ministry and say, you mean I can mentor here? You mean I can be part of a kid's life? You mean I can, I can walk with somebody who's considering uh, not aborting their child but carrying it to fruition? You mean I can actually, I can be part of that? So in all of this, right, they're hoping for a relational connection where it becomes a natural work. It's just a natural part of your life. And that's not going to be true for all of us. It may be true for some of us. But I just want you to say, there's no secret in this bulletin. There's no agenda here. We want to create a chance for you to do something. But I don't want you to think that's where good works happen. And your life is what you do. You have to work really hard here so you have the time to do good works. That is bad theology. What is the nature of what you're doing? And is the Lord maybe saying, hey, there's more. Like You should not be doing that, but you could be doing this. I'm going to give you some examples. Now, this is like a quiz. Don't shout the answer out because the answers are not easy. So if you shout it out, you'll probably be wrong. And then you'll be embarrassed. And I'll look at the other side of the room like I didn't hear it. Okay? <clears throat> I just want us to think about the nature of good work. Let's just say there's a person who's volunteering at one of these places, like uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Let's say a person's volunteering there, and they've been volunteering there for a long, long time, but they have to step away from volunteering there because of the need, a need has arisen in their home. Are they doing less good work? It's 
a hard question. I'd say we don't know yet. I'd say I would need to ask more questions. If a person's volunteering at Sunday breakfast mission, okay, and the demands in their job have changed so that they can no longer go down and volunteer at Sunday breakfast mission, are they now doing less good work? Are they doing less qualitatively and quantitatively good work than when they were laboring at Sunday breakfast mission? I don't know. How can we know? I would say, well, what's the nature of the work that they are doing? What's the source of their labor that they are devoted to? What, when they labor in their own workplace, are they laboring from acceptance in the Lord or are they laboring for acceptance of others as a, as a substitute? Some people work super, super hard to validate themselves in such an underling way when the love of God is waiting to validate them. So maybe they're chasing after an idol, and if I work a little harder, I'll be a little more accepted. Well, I would shine a light on that. I would shine a light on that, but it has very little to do with the fact that they're no longer at Sunday breakfast mission. In fact, the chances are when they were at Sunday breakfast mission, that was not really a good work either. They were probably doing that for acceptance. You see, this is an Ephesians 2 question. Are you laboring from the acceptance of God or for the acceptance of God? What's the source of your motivation? Let's say there's a person at work. This is your third question. A person's at work, and all day long, this person is a go-to, he's the, he or she is go-to person, right? They, when you drink the coffee, but they make the coffee. They're the mysterious person that keeps filling up the coffee pot. You can rely on them. They're good. Everybody likes them. They're nice. They do good work, but this person goes home and leans on their family and extracts, extracts from them through abusiveness the energy to go do that again the next day. Is this good work? Is it a good work when you're robbing from Peter to pay Paul? Is it a good work where you kind of... Out there is where my reputation matters. I need to have a reputation for good works. But in here, I control this environment. So in here, I am going to be, I'm going to take so that I can give out there. Does that seem to be the tenor of the theology of Ephesians 2? That you are the workmanship of God created in Christ to do good work, which he's prepared beforehand that you might walk in them. Who does this sound like is really working you up to work? The Lord. You see, how are you doing the things that you're doing? That defines the nature of your work. Okay, I'm going to take you to one last passage. This is Proverbs 31. I figured since we went to 1 Timothy 5 and talking about widows, It'd be fun to stay in a sort of in the feminine genius of Scripture and go to Proverbs 31 and, and just round it out. It's a really special passage if you've never been there. The book of Proverbs ends with a reflection on an excellent woman. And I was at the men's Bible study on Thursday and we were sort of like, are we allowed to do this? 
It, it, truth is, it's written to a man, by the way. I mean, Proverbs is written to a young man. It's, so the thought is, the answer is yes, we can do this. We can certainly enjoy Scripture. But it's a description of a most excellent wife or woman. And in it is going to be all of the work that she does. And that's really when I draw us, I want us to draw our attention to one of the best descriptions in the whole Bible of life that abounds in good work. So a few cautions about this. Uh, one, I want to ask you not to try to use this as a grade sheet for yourself. Uh, it can sort of beat you down a little bit because this is such an aspirational list. This is a model, a model for us to aspire towards. So allow it to, to warm you towards more rather than just scrutinize you. Uh, that would be the first thing. And the second thing is there's some language in here that is uniquely dated. So you're going to hear like she sews at the loom or things like that. I don't want you to think, this is bad interpretation. I don't want you to think that a real mom should sew her kid's own clothes, like whooping and wharfing. First of all, they're not going to wear them, okay? <laughs> they're going to look lame and they're not going to wear them. But that's not what the Bible's saying. Or when it says that she goes down to the merchant and trades her wares, I don't want you to think like, holy cow, good woman goes to the merchants. This is like she finds a good deal at Costco, okay? And she comes home with the really big Captain Crunch and everyone's like, right on, Mom. That's what this is, okay? So just like allow this to get updated. I don't want you to feel like I don't know what flax is. I don't even know how to do a flax thing. It's okay. You can do all sorts of things. They had to make their own clothes, okay? They had to do that, okay? They did not know how to drive a car, if you'd have written your own Proverbs 31 back, she drives her car to pick up her kids, they'd be like, how do I do that? All right, so I'll just subdue the antiquity for a moment and enjoy the beauty of it. Enjoy the beauty of it. This is the nature of good work. Okay, watch what happens when God is in somebody. Listen. An excellent wife who can find. She's are more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is still yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the day to come. 
She opens her mouth with wisdom and teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her work, works praise in the gates. That's nice, isn't it? That's the nature of good works. You see how it just, you see the source of the good works in there? Do you notice the source? Everything that, every, she takes raw pieces and, and gives out refined things. Like the raw material comes to her and better things leave her. There's this exchange, this mysterious exchange in her life at every place in her life where whatever she touches initially is better when she's done touching it. And you don't find in any dimension in her life that she's going over here and extracting and taking so that over here she can give. The source of this continual good work is mysterious. Why? Because she has fear of the Lord in her. Because God is in her. And so God is... Right, where, does, where does this mom going to get a thank you? I read here that she's up before dawn and she goes to bed after the sun is down. Who's thanking her? Her delight is in the Lord. She lives from the acceptance of God. And in doing so, brings praise and honor to all people. Her husband is honored in the gate because of her reputation. This is the nature of good work. I mean, here it's written... uh, from the perspective of the woman, but this is the nature of the good work that God is calling us to, is in our broad life, in our broad life, how are you doing the things that you're doing? Because when I look here, it's far more easy for me to imagine her like wiping snotty noses and helping kids with homework than going on mission trips. What I read here, I read here, consistent, regular, God-filled. That's who we're to be. And so when you take this and you think about this over the next month, I certainly hope that this fits in your life, but not, I certainly hope it does not bludgeon you. In fact, you know, the best thing that I hope you find is in these ministries are people who have really special callings and they love and sacrifice their life in ways that, that I think you would be blessed if you were among them. I think you would see things about how the love of Christ is manifested among people who are giving their lives. And I, I would say, I hope you take a field trip down to be with Christians that have that gift from the Lord. They're a gift to our body. That's what I would hope. Because I know you'd walk away with more than what you brought. What is the nature of your work? How are you doing the things that you're doing? Is it from the love of God or is it for the love of God? Let's pray. Lord, we give you this time and we thank you for your word. In your kind spirit in it, Lord, the way you provide dignity and honor for so many people. Lord, over this season, as we think about 
good works, Lord, we pray and invite you to encounter us in the things we're already doing. Help us to scrutinize our motivations. And we pray that at the end of the day and as the time settles and as we look back, that we'll find that we serve out of joy and that if we boast, we boast in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.